Sigzil rested his head against the wall, remembering. He'd been the first from his family in generations with a real shot at passing the exams. A silly dream. Everyone in Azir talked about how even the humblest man could become prime, but the son of a laborer had so little time to study. He shook his head, then washed with a basin of water he'd fetched the night before. He took a comb to his hair and inspected himself in the polished length of steel. His hair had grown far too long. The tight black curls had a tendency of sticking straight out. He set out a sphere to use its light for a shave. He had acquired his own razor. Soon after he started, however, he nicked himself. He sucked in a breath at the pain, and his sphere winked out. What? His skin started glowing, letting out a faint luminescent smoke. Oh, right. Kaladin was back. Heroes of presents The Storm Pod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book 3, Oathbringer. This is just a quick spoiler warning for chapters 35 and 36 of Oathbringer. This is the first chapter that Jack really gets where we're following just bridge four. I think it goes like Sigzil, then Rock, then a, a few others. So this is really, really exciting. I, uh, it's kind of the p- best part of the book, I think, is when we get to follow some of these characters that we've loved so much. So if you haven't caught up on your reading or that you, if you've picked the wrong episode, make sure that you do the things you're supposed to do because we want you to enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q, and he asked to join the Windrunners as a scribe. It's Jack. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. Did you, uh, when you asked to join the Windrunners, did you think that Kaladin was going to be like, yeah, you can join as a scribe? Yeah, no, I was actually, that was a serious disappointment for me in reading this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't you like, awesome. And then you were like, what? I was like, what? You, what do you mean? You had and the same reaction as just, Lynn does, right? Like, you're like, this is yeah, cool. No. Just I, completely I don't wanna... deflated. Oh, I, I I, do like the way it's described in here, how Lynn is like, her shoulders sag. Yeah, and for sure. She gets so physically like, ugh, like. There's still a hope, though. I don't want to be. But you know what? I, but you know what I love is that she further, she not only expresses herself physically that she's disappointed. Yeah. But she also feels like she can express to Kaladin. That she's not going to take him up on this offer. No. I really like, like that. It, it's cool. I, like, thank you. But. Right. I'm, it's not what I like, want. I'm, scouting is way better than scribing. I'm sorry. Like that for Lynn. She's like, I'm, yeah. you know, I, I'm already kind of working with you guys. So yeah. I get to be around the coolness anyways. I don't want to have to write notes for you. Like just because. Right. And this is, this is Cal, uh, Kaladin's like, um. His preconceived notions of gender roles in this world mm-hmm. are dictating mm-hmm. this, right? Oh, you're a lady? Right. You can be our scribe. Right. It also has to do with the fact that Sigzil said to him, listen, we need some scribes. <laughs> like, I can't be the scribe. So we need people right. to be able I, to do that. And so Kaladin's to- like, oh, hey, you, you want to be part of us? And you're a lady. You know how to write. 
Right. Right? But that's not what so she let's wants. Just, no, exactly. And of course, it's just so so beautiful how Sigzil in this chapter is, you know, throwing it right back onto R- Kaladin. Right, right. Right? It's just, it's so wonderfully written. It's it's comical almost, because Kaladin's like, shut up, Sigzil. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's just, but it, it's, it's perfect. I love, uh, I really like this chapter. I thought where they were going with this, with the Azish uh, glyphs that... Sigzil was indicating that he was able to use is okay you know he he would make a great writer a great scribe right well he he says like a right great in the academic that he had a chance to become prime right to take right to take the test yeah um well yeah we'll talk more about this because uh, this this i thought was uh a chance for Sigzil to really come into his i think that maybe Hopefully what we'll see mm-hmm. is that Sigzil can offer just that kind of expertise. Right. Can I ask you a blank question before we start into the yeah. thing? What was it mm-hmm. like being in a POV of someone in Bridge 4 that wasn't Kaladin? Oh, yeah. This is the first um, time we have, we have a POV of someone other than maybe Teft. Teft might have been a POV character in Way of Kings when Kaladin was, had survived the storm, being hung out on the storm. And I can't really remember if that POV is, I think there might be a, um, a a Teft one in there, but this is really like the first time we get a good POV from someone in bridge four that isn't Kaladin. I'll describe it like this. It is windswept and interesting. Oh, there we go. That's awesome. It's, it is. It's it's such a, a nice handoff with these characters. I think Sanderson really brilliantly wrote so many characters that if it were to suddenly branch off into so many disparate POVs, right. it feels completely normal. Right. Right. Because you've taken the time to, you know, develop some of the characters mm. and, and, and always echoing their names. Yeah. I think that's another thing that really resonates. It's the repetition of the names, mm-hmm. which I don't know of is so present in all fiction, to be honest. Yeah. I think maybe it's, it's well, a well, we potentially s- unique thing. We about really Sanderson. literally saw it with this character of Lynn, right? Mm-hmm. She was just that's a right. nameless scout. And then Dalinar asks her her name. And then from that moment on, she becomes something more. Right. Mm-hmm. She's there fighting Ray Shafir with Bridge Four and Shalon and the Colin brothers. She's now tr- hopefully trying to become a Windrunner. Cal says to mm-hmm. her, listen, you'll have to just try out like everyone else then. Right. I did like that he comes around to that. Right. Um, just in the initial, I thought, well, geez, Cal, like, aren't you uh a little more outside of the box you're like an equal opportunity (laughs) dude aren't you like (laughs) well i I was kind of wondering if it meant that kaladin was you know going to turn into um just i I don't know like a a leader of convenience that he's so interested in you know the 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 recording of the story Mm -hmm. of bridge four and he was going to kind of gloss over or or abuse certain things along the way in that journey Mm -hmm basically. So I hope that with Sigzil's help and others help around him, if he's got good support, that when he trips up on something like this, hopefully someone is there to help him out. Right. Um, cause I mean, you know, not always are these things going to be self-evident to, to, to people. No, for sure. And it clearly wasn't in this moment with, with Kaladin, which I thought was a little shocking, but well, it's great because Cal is like a, a great leader, but he also mm-hmm. has no clue that all these things are being overlooked 
you know, right. Like I love the things that I love the questions. I can't wait to get to the part when we will talk about it. When Sigzil starts asking, mm-hmm. saying to him, like, listen, who's going to pay us? Right. Like, who right. do we belong to? Like, what, like, where do we, like, we have men who are starting to get married and having families. Where are they supposed yeah. to live? Dropping their names Be- as well. Being, their betrothed or their, or, uh, like yeah. jumping across the bridge and saving people and being a shining light of honor can only get you so far. You need, you need a guy like Sigzel yeah. who's like thinking of the, the day-to-day lives of the people that are there. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. He's like the manager. It's just, yeah, it's like, he's, he's the man, he's the manager, but he's also, he's got, he's hung up on tradition. For too. sure. Absolutely. He is. Absolutely. And we got to yeah. talk about that too, because again, you know, like any character that we're, that we're given, it's not just all figured out. No, for there's, sure. For there's sure. always blind spots. And, right? and everyone so. has room to grow for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is called chapter, this is uh, chapter 35, first into the sky. Yeah. And we get a little interesting little piece of artwork here with the patch on the, sh- on the sleeve here. Yeah. So this looks like it might be a new symbol for the bridge for POVs maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this is the bridge for symbol on the coat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's neat. It is neat. And we get another excerpt and it is, you think yourself so clever, but my eyes are not those of some petty noble to be clouded by a false nose and some dirt on the cheeks. Mm-hmm. Mm, so not a noble. Not a noble. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like maybe someone is in disguise. Maybe you think yourself so clever, but my eyes are not those of some pretty noble to be clouded by a false nose and some dirt on the cheeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. Yeah. All the, the these ones are, these ones are interesting too. We, like I said before, we don't get much information from this, like these excerpts of the letter. From this conversation. It'll be way yeah. more interesting once we, um, get to put them all together and you can read the whole letter and see oh, what develops. Be great. Right? So yeah, well, I'm yeah. sure we'll do that with okay. Buzzkill Joe at some point. Nice. Okay. Well, someone bumped Sigzil's cot. That's how this thing, uh, starts waking him up from a dream. Rock's breakfast bell began ringing in the next room. He'd been dreaming in Azish. Like he was back home studying for the governmental service tests. Passing would have qualified him to enter a real school with a shot at becoming a clerk to someone important. Only in the dream, he'd been panicked to realize he'd forgotten how to read. (laughs) After so many years away, thinking of his mother tongue felt strange. He yawned again, telling, sorry, settling on his cot back to the stone wall. They had three small barracks and a common room in the center. This is interesting. Um, in the dream, he'd realize he'd forgotten uh, how how to read. Right. That's 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 kind of comical. I thought it was like a funny way to wake up. Yeah. Wait, I don't know how to read this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, he he uh, he doesn't probably write or read Azish anymore. Right. Right. He's writing right. uh, Lethe and he's writing, um, glyphs because the men can't read anything but glyphs. So mm-hmm. yeah, so he probably just out of practice and that's starting to maybe worry him. Right. It's also interesting that in his dreams, which often are different than reality, mm-hmm. he is dreaming in his mother tongue. Right. And that is dreamlike or unusual or weird yeah. or strange. Right. Yet it once was familiar to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's feeling a disconnect. Yeah. He's like a new, he's a different man than he was. 
Right. Okay, so months in Bridge 4, now an apprentice knight's radiant. And a lot of them, the, all of these men that are in Bridge 4, they still couldn't figure out how to line up properly. So there's some some panic and ramp. They, they, they describe it as ramble, scramble up to the breakfast table. This, <laughs> this, this pell-mell, tumble-bumble sort of approach that we have here to yeah. Bridge 4 is not quite what I had expected. Right. And I, want, I wanted to talk to you about it. Right. Um, because... You know, he, uh, Kaladin's back mm-hmm. and this, this sort of activity is still going on. This kind of disorganized sort of approach. I might have an explanation for it. And I don't know if I'm right here, but I'm going to say okay. this. Um, I think in this chapter, Sigzil mentions Teft's absence. Yep. And that, he, and that they would snap to with, with Teft. Right. And when Teft's not yep. around... Right. They become more ramble, bramble, whatever. They, they're, they're ramble, scramble. They're more right. not right. as professional right. soldiers. And especially now, Kaladin was gone. And if Teft is not here in this moment, maybe he hasn't been around some. Like maybe something's going on with Teft. There's definitely a hint that something's going on with Teft in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe that's why. Maybe the men are, are, are a little bit more relaxed than they normally are. Because the their authority figures are not around to like snap them to attention. Yeah, so Tef's not around to snap to, but I th- I had thought that with Kaladin being back, I thought well that should snap them in into into place into order. Right. But not so. Yeah. In fact, a little later in this, uh, Kaladin says to Sigzil, "Don't worry, they'll be ready." Yeah. Like. Kaladin seems to have this approach that he trusts the men. Right. If they, if they are trying out their powers and hanging on the ceiling and, and dropping oatmeal on the floor, that doesn't bother him so much because as long as when it comes time to be a soldier or to get the job done. Right. Yeah. And so I think they've garnered that kind of trust from him. Right. Right. Like they might be a ragtag group of, of fuck ups and, and weirdos and whatever. But when it comes down to it, they show up and they show out, right? Like they really show up. And I think that for others, other characters like Teft, they, they probably want to see the order. They want to see the commanding sort of right. nature of things. We have talked a, a bit before about how other armies were really, um, like well together versus um like Dalinar's was very snap too, right. wasn't it? Yeah, and, and versus Sadius, Sadius. Is way more relaxed and yeah. <clears throat> right. Mm-hmm. Um we'll 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 circle back to this a little bit later, but uh okay, so the lot of them still couldn't figure out how to line it properly, which kind of bothers Sigzil here. Yeah. They wouldn't they wouldn't last a day in Azir, where queuing up in an orderly way wasn't only expected it was partially a mark of national pride, <laughs> yeah. just giving you a little window into Sigzil's right, his people and up, stuff, yeah. upbringing and his people. Like this, just would not be tolerated. Well, of course, they're so organized; they have papers for everything, they have forms everything. for everything, right? So I know, yeah. I know. But it's just, I love that this is like you know, it's a it's a stone in his boot, mm-hmm. and uh, and he can't very easily take that stone out, right? Yeah. It bothers him. It does it, bother it, him, it's yeah. an in, It's intrinsic. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> he's just like, what is the deal? And the conversation with Lopin here is, is, is very good to demonstrate that. Sigzil, <coughs> pardon me. He'd been, um, he'd been the first from his family in generations with a real shot at passing those exams, but it was a silly dream. 
I don't like that he says it's a silly dream. Mm-hmm. I kind of want him to <laughs> go back and write that exam right. again. Um, the humblest man could become prime, but the son of a laborer had so little time to study. Right. So he and had the capability of becoming prime, but just right. not the time needed to devote oneself to the studying and everything. He could have been Correct. because he was smart enough, but just not, didn't have right. the time to put it, put into it. And this is what happens with, with so many of us. Um, you know, if you're born into a situation, uh, the humblest man could become prime, but the son of a laborer. So if you're born to a laborer right, and you might have to pitch in a little extra to help out the family, mm-hmm. you might even have to get a part-time job. Um, those hours that you're spending doing those extra things, mm-hmm. you're not putting that time into studying, into, into your developing, craft, whatever it is, into yeah. whatever it is. So that's where, you know, privilege comes into this story. For sure. Um, which I think is what they're trying, what they're hinting at here with, with Sigzil's story mm-hmm. is, um, if he was maybe born a little more privileged, he would have been able to use his obvious, um, intellect, um, academic, uh, yeah academic prowess uh, mm-hmm. to, to prove himself. His hair was growing far too long. The tight black curls had a tendency to stick straight out. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Um, he set out a sphere to use its light for a shave. And he nicked himself. And he sucked in a breath at, at the pain. And his sphere winked out. Dude, I loved this yeah. so much. Yeah. What? His skin started glowing, letting off a faint luminescent smoke. Oh, right. Kaladin was back. They had, because they didn't have it, but while he was gone, right? And now that he's the back. proximity. Right. I know. I just, I love it. Me too. It's just, well, I both love it and, and don't. Mm-hmm. So what happens in the absence of a Kaladin? What happens if something happens to Kaladin? Right. Does there, will there become a new source of hope sigzil brings this up later dude he brings it up later i think he says something mm-hmm. like what if what happens if one of these men one of these squires bond right. a spren themselves and they become their own radiant what happens then right what happens he's then? got so many questions and rightly so i mean he, there might not be answers to these questions but it's but he has to ask them so that they can start thinking mm-hmm. what do we do if this happens Right. Right. Contingency. So, you know, mm-hmm. the hopeful thing is, is hopefully one of these men will exhibit the ability to say the next ideal. Right. Right. And they'll be able mm-hmm. to go on their own journey. Right. Because right now they're sort of stuck to Cal's journey. Right. They're having their own, but in the course of the path that is a night radiant, they are mm-hmm. connected to him and their, yeah. their gifts you know, are really according to his proximity. Yeah. They're, they're in orbit around Cal. Right. They can't quite, quite get away. Mm-hmm. It's the proximity that that's, that's key. It's so awesome, dude. It's so great. Um, okay. So Caledon was back. Well, that was going to solve so many problems. He got out another sphere and did his best not to eat this one. As he finished shaving, he pressed his hand against his forehead. Once he'd had slave brands there, the stormlight had healed those, though his bridge four tattoo remained. And we got to talk about this because it's the exact opposite with Cal. Right, right. And we got to talk about that. He rose and put on his uniform, coal in blue, sharp and neat, 
and stepped out into the common room and stopped short as Lopin's face swung down and right in front of him, Sigzel almost slammed into the, into the Herdasian who was stuck by the bottoms of his feet to the storming ceiling. Hey, Lopin says with a bowl of morning porridge that he was holding upside down or right side up, but upside down to Lopin in front of him. The Herdasian tried to take a bite, but the porridge slipped off a spoon <laughs> and splattered on the ground. Lopin, what, what are you doing? Practicing. I've got to show them how good I am, Hooch. It's like with women. Only it involves sticking yourself to the ceiling and learning not to spill food on the heads of people you like. The <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Move, Lopin. So he says, move, Lopin. Ah, oh, you have the right to... Sorry. Ah, oh, you have to ask the right way. I'm not one-armed anymore. I can't be shoved around. Say, do you know how to get two-armed Herdasians to do what you want? If I did, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> right. So good. Yeah. I just love this back and forth, yeah. bro. It's great. Well, you take away both of their spheres, obviously, he grinned. A few feet away, Rock was laughing with a loud, ha! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Lopin wiggled his finger at Sigzil, as if to taunt him, fingernails glistening. Like all Herdasians, he had fingernails that were slate-colored and hard as crystal, a bit oh, reminiscent of carapace. That's different in my book. What's that? That description. Like all Herdasians, he had fingernails that were slate-colored and hard as crystal. Yeah. Like all Herdasians, he had fingers that were dark brown and hard as crystals. Dark brown. Oh. Hmm. It says a bit reminiscent of carapace. Yeah, a bit reminiscent. So, slate gray. Maybe it's a subtle little, little coloring hint, like, you know, similar to Dalinar. Maybe. Slate gray. I think maybe he, he wrote it and then like thought back on it and was like, you know, I, I want this to be, a li he doesn't want it to be dark brown. He wants it to be more slate gray. Like maybe he mm -hmm. revised how he wanted the description of the yeah. Herdasians to be. Yeah. Or in this instance, maybe just Lopin. Maybe all Herdasians just don't Lopin? have the same color fingernails. Maybe some right. have some colors and some have other colors. And maybe in writing this, he forgot that her, uh, that Lopin is part of this p segment of Herdasians that have slate gray, not the ones that have dark brown. It'd be a question to ask. Well, it, it says here, it says like all Herdasians, he had fingernails that were slate color. You're right, you're right. Thanks for it says uh, like yeah, killing all... my theory there and literally in the moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. So he must have just revised how he wanted revised to describe it. Yeah. it. Yeah. I, and I'm always, I'm always trying to find these color connections, like to see, you know, we know that Dalinar likes his armor plain and gray. Right. Does that mean that Lopin is a bit more similar to Dalinar in disposition or in politic or Maybe he's, whatever? He's like, just a simple man. I don't know. I don't know if any of the colors have these kind of links, uh, but I've been curious about that. Yeah. Um, okay, so he still had the tattoo on his head, though so far only a few of Bridge Four had learned to draw in Stormlight, and each of those that had kept their tattoos. Only Kaladin was different. His tattoo had melted off once he took in Stormlight, and his scars refused to heal. Yeah. What do you think that, that that's about? So <clears throat> you have these powers, you're speaking ideals, mm -hmm. and then the tattoo of bridge four melts away. Right. 
Why? Um, well, the tattoo, why, the tattoo why is would be to cover, would be to cover the scars, right? Well, I, I don't think it matters the geography. What do you mean? Like the tattoo would disappear. So wherever you place the tattoo, it would disappear. Hmm. But the other men have, were able to keep their tattoo. But were all the other tattoos always placed over the, the uh, slave brand? Yes, except for Moash. Okay. Moash got okay. his on his arm, but they all got the tattoo over top of their slave brand to cover up their slave brand with something different. To cover different. up the slave brand? But then their, okay. their slave brands all healed, except mm -hmm. for Kaladin. Except for Kaladin. And his tattoo doesn't take either. I think I told you back in the Words tattoo of does not take. That's right. That I think the reason why and this is just me as a theory here. I think the mm -hmm. reason why Kaladin's ta uh, uh, slave brand does not <clears throat> heal is because those brands are a metaphor for the scars he still carries inside. Mm -hmm. Like he can't for sure. he can't heal them because he's still wounded on the inside. Yeah. So. I think that's what it's supposed to be. Now, it could be that Brandon has already, you know, put a word of Brandon out there to explain exactly why. I, 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 don't, del I don't delve into those things. That's, that's for, right. you know, our listeners and the Discord server and, <clears throat> you know, uh, people on Reddit to, to correct me when they listen to the episode. I, I love that stuff. I love it when people reach out. But from mm -hmm. what my feeling is, is that that's why he still has the slave brand on is because he hasn't actually healed the inside yet, his emotional scars. But, and you think the men have? I think so. Okay. I think so. I think, I think maybe, you know, Kaladin sees the, um, uh, sees the scars or the, um, the struggle to the point where he, it's, how do I say it? It's become just as important as anything else, if not more important. He's not. Like he can't let go yes, of the. I was just going to say those words. He can't let go of it yet. Right. No. I don't think there's any, like, actual non-personal reason for him to still have them. He's keeping right. those scars on his head, even if it's subconsciously. Right. But, um, I mean, fuck, uh, Lopin healed his arm. I know. You know what I mean? So it's possible to heal that shit. It's just <laughs> whether you want it badly enough. Whether you want it. Well, yeah. I, I wonder... Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, it's a curious thing. I hope there's more to it. Uh, in, I'm in, sure uh, there will, there will be more to it and I'm positive that I'll be getting messages about it. So please bring those messages to me. I am a greedy little <laughs> goblin when people reach out and go, Sean, guess what? You got this wrong or whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> only, only Kaladin was different. His tattoo had melted off once he took in Stormlight and his scars refused to heal. Remember that one for me, Hooch, Lopin says. He would never explain what Hooch meant. Or why he used it, only to refer to Sigzil. I'll need, sure, lots and lots of new jokes. Also sleeves. Twice as many of those. Except on vests. Then the same number. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. Lopin's hilarious. How did you even manage to get up to get up there so you could stick your feet? No, you know what? Don't start. I don't actually want to know, Sigzil says. The men were still scrambling for food, laughing and shouting in complete disarray. Sigzil shouted to get their attention. Don't forget, the captain wanted us up and ready for inspection by second bell. Sigzil could barely be heard. Where is Teft? 
Right. They actually, they actually listened when he gave orders. Sigzil shook his head, waving his way toward the door. Among his people, he was an average height, but he'd gone and moved among the Alethi, who were practically giants, so here he was a few inches shorter than most. Mm -hmm. He slipped out into the hallway. The bridge crews occupied a sequence of large barracks on the lower tower's first floor. But there were hundreds of other men in the battalion who were ordinary infantry and were not in this sort of training period to become Knights Radiant. Mm -hmm. Perhaps Teft had gone to inspect the other crews. He'd been given the responsibility for training them. Hopefully it wasn't the other thing. Right. And does that mean that Sigzil knows something yeah, here? Yeah, it sounds exactly like that. It sounds okay, like he because I want to talk to you about that. Yeah, it sounds like he knows what might be preoccupying Tef's time. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he's checking in the other crews and hopefully it's not the other thing. And there's a moment in the last book when Tef was supposed to be somewhere in the morning mm. and he was really late and Kaladin couldn't find him. And then when Teft finally showed up, Kaladin was like, yeah, where were you? And then Teft was like, it's my own life. I'm allowed to do what I want. You made me the sergeant. Remember in Words of Radiance. And Cal was like, yo, I was just asking you where you were. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there is something. I I do remember that. Yeah, there is something happening with Teft. And just like Sanderson does, he's just giving us little moments here that are starting to build up. And hopefully it's not the other thing. Well, what could some of the possibilities be for Teft, do you think? I mean, so I can't say te- any of Teft. those possibilities because I know what's going on with Teft. Okay. Right. So what do you think is going on well, with Teft? Well, <clears throat> it could be that he is, um... A male stripper? And he's just making some extra <laughs> coin? He's making some extra it could spheres be, well, on the I side? Mean, it, 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 it could be, you know, it's my own life private. Well, what do things do? What do people do if things need to be private? It could be an affair. Could be. He could have a, a girlfriend. It could be. Or a wife, he, maybe. Yeah. He could even just have a wife. He could have a wife, a family that he's trying to protect. He mm-hmm. could have um, a situation that has to do with him personally or his family that is embarrassing. Right. That he needs to uh, take on. He might have... I don't, I don't know. I can't hazard a good, a good guess right now. He's, he was very defensive about being called out as to where you were. Yeah. And I think in that same so, conversation with so Kaladin, that, he says, um, you know, you, you're the one who insisted that I was be, that I trained the men and I'd be their sergeant. Um, he's like, I'm not good enough for that. Remember we talked about how Teft debases himself and says, I'm not good enough yeah, for this. I'm not good you enough for that. Yeah. I'm not the one you want to do this. I'll just let you down sure he said he said something close i'm paraphrasing but something close to yeah. those, those lines and so he's he's definitely dealing with something and i do love how sanderson is parsing it out here and it comes from sigzil it comes from another character in bridge four and since now we have this this is the first one but we're going to be getting mm-hmm. more povs from bridge four in this part, mm-hmm. maybe we'll get more information about what's happening with On Teft. Teft. With Teft yeah. yeah. And you've always asked what? for that. You've always asked. I want to know more I, about I Teft. I want it. I want it. Yeah. I wonder if it's, de- I wonder if it's depression. It could be a lot, you know, it can't be overstated. And we, we've, we've talked about it before and it, obviously the fandom knows this too. This isn't new, new information we're bringing here, but this series <clears throat> has a lot of mental illness in it, you know? Yeah. 
and sure. um it wouldn't be surprising if another character is dealing with stuff i mean how do you go through war yeah. and death and sorrow like this and not care not carry it with you yeah you know yeah it could be it could be PTSD, maybe they should uh, could be... maybe they should experiment with magic mushrooms like they're saying that the uh that veterans should start doing because apparently it allows them to um be able to Alleviate kind of repair suffering? some of that m- trauma that yeah. they suffered uh, in battle yeah, yeah it's of course it's working magic <clears throat> well i uh, i don't know I look forward to getting more information about what's going on with Teth. I, th- I thought you were going to say, um, I look forward to getting more magic mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. So I also, I also look forward to that too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he slipped out into the hallway. The bridge crews occupied his, uh, the, the first floor. Where had Teft been? Teft had gone to inspect the other crews, perhaps. Hopefully it wasn't the other thing. Yeah. Kaladin bunked in his own small suite of rooms at the end of the hallway. And Sigzil was making his way there, going over his scribbles in his notebook. He used Alethi glyphs, as was acceptable for a man, out here, and had never learned their actual writing system. Storms he'd been away so long, the dream was probably right. He might have trouble writing in the Azish script. I want to pause here. The dream was probably right. Yeah. I wonder... I just wonder about these dreams that people are having, these visions. Well, the you know, like, visions it, it, are different from dreams. I know, I know, I right. know. I just, I just wonder if, if this is going to end up being true. He might have trouble writing in the Asia script. What would lift, sorry, what would life be like if he hadn't turned into a failure and a disappointment? If he'd passed the tests, instead of getting into trouble, needing to be rescued by the man who had become his master. Right. Yeah. Interesting. It, it, very interesting, right? Because it sounds like he he was heading down he a got really into bad trouble. road, and then right, wh- whom we know is Hoyd, because he mentions his name again in this chapter. He does mention. Oh, I know, dude. That Master Hoyd, that come on. Hoyd is his master, mm. and we've known this for a couple books now. But I love that we get kind of this inside baseball, inside scoop from Sigzil mm-hmm. here about it. It's really cool. The list of problems first, he says, he decides before going into Kaladin, uh, to see Kaladin, reaching Kaladin's door and he knocks. Come, says the captain. Sigzil found Kaladin doing morning push-ups on the stone floor. Of course His he blue is. blue jacket draped over the chair. Of course he is. He's Batman. Come on. This dude, man. This guy. <laughs> Sigzil, sirs. Yes, uh, hey Sig. Are the men uh, up in mustard? They're up, yes. When I left them, they seemed bordering on a food fight and only half were in uniform. <laughs> They'll, they'll be ready. Was there something you wanted, Sig? Like he's, Kaladin's not concerned. He's not. Like I said to you, they'll be ready. Yeah. Confident. He has trust he's, in the men. He's saying this about them just standing in a line when he, he's going to do inspections. But what he mm-hmm. really means is the larger, they'll be ready. They'll be ready. You know what I mean? There's a dead, double entendre there where he's mm-hmm. really talking about these men being ready for anything. Right. Yeah. Sigzil settled down in the chair next to Kaladin's coat and opened up his notebook. A lot of things, sir, not at least of which is the fact that you should have a real scribe, not whatever I am. You're my clerk. A poor one. We've a full battalion of fighting men with only four lieutenants and no official scribes. Frankly, sir, the bridge crews are a mess. Our finances are in shambles. Requisition orders are piling up faster than Leighton can deal with them. 
and there's an entire host of problems requiring an officer's attention. The fun part of running an army. Exactly. That was sarcasm, Sig. All right, go ahead. Well, let's start with something easy, Sigzel says. Pete is now officially betrothed to the woman that he's been seeing. Ka? That's wonderful. Maybe she should help you with scribe duties. Perhaps. I believe that you were looking into requisitioning housing for men with families. Yeah, that was before the whole mess with the weeping and the expedition onto the Shattered Plains. And I should go back to Dalinar's scribes about it, shouldn't I? Unless you expect the married couples to share a bunk in the standard barracks, then I'd say so that you should. Mm -hmm. I believe that uh, Bissig is close to being betrothed as well. Really? He's so quiet. I never know what's going on behind those eyes of his. It's just, I love this, these little tidbits, morsels of these characters. Oh, we're getting to know I never that, know what's going that these men are growing. They're, they're falling in love. Yeah. They're starting families. They're, yeah. you know, it's not just a bunch of men with spears all wearing the same coat, right? right? Right. They've got all, there's just this personality. There is this, um, like microcosm of activity happening in this troop. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, I don't know. It's a good little highlight. Yeah. It's great. It's really great. Because it's, it's, it's tickling me. So it's, I don't know. It's pretty good. <laughs> I like it. It's giving me some rosy cheeks here. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, really he's so quiet. Well, not to mention Punio, who I found out recently is already married. His wife drops off food for him. <laughs> I thought that was his sister. Well, he wanted to fit in, I believe, Sigzel says. His broken Nalethi already makes that hard. And then there's the matter of Drahi. What matter? Well, he's been courting a man, you see. I did know about that one. You only now noticed? Sigzel nodded. It's Drew he's been seeing still. From the district quartermaster's office? Yes, sir, Sigzel looks down. Sir, I... Well, it's just that... Yes? Sir Drahi hasn't filled out the proper, proper forms. If he wants to court another man, he needs to apply for social reassignment, right? Kaladin rolled his eyes. There were no forms for that in, in Alethkar. Right. Sigzil couldn't say that he was surprised, as the Alethi didn't have proper procedures for anything. Then how do you apply for social reassignment? We don't, Kaladin frowned. Is this really that big of a problem for you, Sig? Maybe, sir, it's not this specifically. Right now, there are four religions represented in Bridge 4. So he switches the topic here, but let's talk about this. Yes. Um, so Sigzil is, this is yet another thing, he's hung up on mm -hmm. procedure. Right. He likes the order. He wants the lines neat. Mm -hmm. And clear, clearly in Azir, men are allowed to be together. Women are allowed to be together, but they have to right. fill out the proper forms, which is not... right. You know, surprising, because I think you have to fill out the proper forms for anything in Azir. Ex mm -hmm. Maybe except for being with the opposite sex. Like, I don't, I don't know if his parents would have had to fill out the proper forms to be together. Oh, but probably. There are forms. Yeah, yeah there, there are is, forms. Right? Yes. I'm going to assume. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's like the whole country is run like human <clears throat> resources. You know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> I just think it's like, I both like it and dislike it. It's kind of like cute yeah. almost that Sigzel's like this. Right. But also kind of like, well, it could be steered into um, an unhealthy way, let's like, say. Like, uh, like Sigzil's being bigoted against uh, men who well, love each other. Well, see, I, di I didn't really pick up on that. No, it I don't think so like either. He I, don't wants... think he, I don't think he cares that... No, um, that, uh, um, I don't think so that either. That Drahi is falling in love with this guy named... No. 
Um, uh, Drew. Drew. I don't think he cares yeah. that Drehi and Drew are together. I just think that he he's so particular about all these little things that he he wants he wants them to fill out a form like an affidavit saying, "Yeah, we love each other yeah. and it's okay" or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk about as a couple, you could have the same name, like Drew and Drehi. It's close to the same name. Drehi. I mean, I dated a girl like, in high school named Shauna. It was really fucking confusing. <laughs> <laughs> my mom that would I'll, be like i'll tell you a little side story my I, mom thought i dated her for like three years in high school i like dated for a month yeah. we broke up and then years went by she it was three years and then my mom said something <laughs> like so how's shauna i'm like what what do you mean shauna we're not the girl you're dating i'm like yeah. i haven't dated shauna in like two years what the fuck mom <laughs> so strange um that's funny i that's funny this is though this is an important um and i want to bring it up because it is important it's a it's the first moment we have in this um story that is not um, <coughs> pardon me um being hinted at that people could be uh homosexual or bisexual this is straight mm-hmm. up a man and man relationship in the book yeah. it's it's plainly stated there's no innuendo yeah. or guessing or hints or whatever and it's right. kind of important because cal is like yeah i already knew that it's all good yeah you know i already mean? knew that did, did, yeah didn't you he says yeah he says uh you only noticed now and he says sigzel nodded that he did only notice now right and he says the the alethi so, the alethi don't need you to fill out forms for this Mm-hmm. So does that mean that the Alethi are just more tolerant and okay with ever like with with that? Is it like I is think it it's literally just like procedure. a non-issue for them? They just you can love who you want, kind of thing. I think it's no. I think it's just procedures. They 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 don't have paperwork for everything, right? So, but I would say this: Sigzil does appear to demonstrate that you know that there are perhaps certain sexual roles right right and if you're performing this sexual role maybe less paperwork although we don't really know because we don't because we don't get that the word social reassignment i'm suspecting very strange right so social reassignment would indicate to me that perhaps what sigzel is doing based on his uh coming from azir right is that you know, there's a, a change here that's necessary. The government necessary needs and, to know that you guys love right. each other and that right. you are but, interested in men. But, but because it's like, labeled reassignment, right. because it's labeled reassignment, it indicates that there is another norm and this is a reassignment. You're just We're being put under in a, a different category or whatever. Right. Right. But so, so, and he didn't pick up on it before. Right. Okay. So it needs to be you know, it, you need to have this form in Althkar. It seems like that is not really, um, needed. It's not needed to, there's, there, there's no assumption with regards to what the norm would be mm-hmm. because if you have a reassignment, yeah, that's indicative that there's a norm mm-hmm. and then there's a reassignment. Right. I wonder well, if it's just, I think it's interesting, um, that he is mm-hmm. making some assumptions or demanding that certain things get reassigned, okay? And then Kaladin ends up being guilty of it in a moment when, he, when he's talking to Lynn. Right, right, right. That's coming by, up. By, yeah, that's by right. assuming... So it's kind of like he's willing to do the paperwork. Yeah, Cal's um, all like, oh, and then, you know what? We don't Cal's even like, think no, about that stuff in Alucard, uh, uh, right. but we definitely don't think of our women as anything but scribes. 
Right. So it's <laughs> right. it's the exact same thing. It's, it is, is it is happened. very much the same thing. It's just it, they it, each have their own blind spot in a way, I guess. Correct. Yeah. That's right. Um, Sigsville couldn't say he was surprised as the Ulethi didn't have proper procedures for anything. Then how do you apply for social reassignment? Well, we don't. Is that really a big problem for you, Sig? Sir, it's not this specifically. Right now, there are four religions represented in Bridge 4. Four? Hobber follows the passions. Sir, four, even if you don't count Teft, who I can't figure out rightly. And now there's all this talk of Bright Lord Dalinar claiming the Almighty is dead. And, well, I feel responsible, sir. Hang on here. Mm-hmm. Can't figure out what Teft is? The reason for his absence could be religious? Maybe. Devotion? We know he came from a family that has very cult-like behavior, right? The Envisagers were Mm. this group of people who were literally killing themselves to try to ignite radiant powers. So that's definitely Mm. some sort of cult. So maybe he still has a little bit of that in him. Like this Has cult Teft mentality. exhibited any power? Um, it says earlier in this that only s- some of the men have been able to draw in Stormlight. Right. And we don't know who those men are yet. And it might not be Teft, and that could be frustrating for him. Maybe. Or it could be a part of his past, like you were saying with this mm-hmm. cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Um... Uh, yeah, I can't hazard a guess. Maybe wanting it too badly or not wanting it enough, mm-hmm. going the wrong way about it. Well, he, we, I don't we, know. we just talked about how he feels inadequate. Teft does. Right? You don't want right. me. I'm not the man. I'm not the man for this job. You can't, you can't right. count on me. So, I don't right. know. The, the, yeah, there's yeah. maybe some of that uh, there. It's, yeah, I can't wait to get the story, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for Teft. Um, Okay, um, well, I feel responsible, sir, says Sigzil. For Dalinar? No, no, he took a deep breath. There had to be a way to explain this. What would his master do? I love this inner dialogue mm-hmm. with him. Yeah. What would his master do? Which we know is Hoyd. Right. What would his, what would Hoyd do? Right. He would tell a story. Right, he did, and he does. I know. He does it's tell amazing. a story. It's so great, dude. dude it's, it's so awesome. awesome. Yeah. Now, Sigzil says, everybody knows that Mishim... The third moon is the most clever and wily of the moons. All right. And why is this relevant? Says Kaladin. Because of a story. Hush. I mean, please listen, sir. You see, there are three moons and the third moon is the cleverest. And she doesn't want to be in the sky. She wants to escape. So one night she tricked the queen of the Natan people. This was a long time ago. So they were still around. I mean, they're still around now. But they were more around them, sir. <laughs> and the moon... <laughs> I know, it's so His storytelling crazy. prowess is so funny. He's not the master. No, he's not. He's not. He's still the student, yeah. <laughs> and the moon tricked her, and then they traded places until they stopped. And now, the Natan people have blue skin. Does that make sense? Kaladin blinked. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> um, well, Sigzel says, it's obviously fanciful. Not the real reason that the Natan people have blue skin, and, um, uh, it was supposed to explain something? Asks Kaladin. It's how my master always did things, Sigzil says. He would tell a story anytime someone was confused or when people were angry with him. And, well, it changed everything. 
somehow. He looked to Kaladin. I suppose, Kaladin says, that maybe you feel like a moon? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> it was about responsibility, Sigzil thinks inside. Mm-hmm. Storm's Master Hoyd had named him a full world singer, and here he couldn't even tell a story straight. Ah. Yeah. Remember he, Hoyd told Kaladin, tell my apprentice that he's a full world singer now. Right. So, yeah. Kaladin clapped him on the shoulder. It's all right, Sig. Sir, says Sigzil, the other men don't have any direction. You've given them purpose, a reason to be good men. They are good men, but in some ways it was easy when we were slaves. What do we do if not all the men manifest the ability to draw in stormlight? What is our place in the army? Brightlord Colin released us from guard duty, and he said he wanted us practicing and training as radiance instead. But what is a knight radiant? Kaladin says, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And if the men need guidance, if they need a moral center, someone has to talk to them when they're doing something wrong, and the Ardents ignore us, since they associate us with the things Brightlord Dalinar is saying and doing. Mm-hmm. You think that can be the only, sorry, you think you can be the one to guide the men instead? Well, someone should, sir. Kaladin waved for Sigzil to follow him out in the corridor, toward the bridge four barracks. I don't mind if you want to be something like our unit's ardent, says Kaladin. The men like you, Sig, and they put a lot of stock in what you have to say, but you should try to understand what they want out of life and respect that, rather than projecting onto them what you think they should want out of life. But, sir, some things are just wrong. You know what Teft has gotten into? And Huyo? He's been visiting the prostitutes. You know what Teft has gotten into so Kaladin knows? I guess so. What Teft has gotten into? Mm -hmm. Is it gambling? Gotten into? Yeah. Debts? I don't know. I can't... I don't know. It has to be... It could be something complicated, but I'm trying to look for something simple. Right. Gotten into. Hmm. He'd been visiting the prostitutes, this Huyo. That's not forbidden, says Kaladin. I've had some sergeants tell me they suggested that it's a key to a healthy mind in battle. The the use of prostitutes. Huh. Well. Well, it's wrong, sir. It's It's imitating an oath without the commitment. Every major religion agrees to this, except the Reshi, I suppose. But they're pagans even among the pagans. Oh, I like the Reshi. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, you like being a pagan within a pagan. Ah, I like, uh, yeah. I like a Reshi. I like a Reshi. Well, I'm going to guess that I would. I, I may not. I may actually be more fascinated with his ear. Yeah. Right? Like all this paperwork in order. Almost, I'm also fast. You know what? I'll just be a Roshar traveler. There How you about go. That? That's good. Yeah. Um, your master teach, your master teach you to be this judgmental? Asks Kaladin. Mm-hmm. Sigzel stops short. I'm sorry, Sig, Kal- Kaladin says. No, he said the same thing about me all the time, sir. Oh, Master Hoyd said that about Sigzel. Mm-hmm. Why are you so judgmental? Right. So it didn't necessarily come from Hoyd. No, it probably just comes from Sig. Or I think it comes from, from, from Azir. Right. It's, it's part of his culture. Yeah. 
you know, I don't know if it's, the it's Azir a, culture is just inherently judgmental, but it's because everything well, is so strictly accorded to in a organizational right. thing. If things don't lie outside of that organization, then right. they're wrong. Well, then, then that's there. Therein lies the judgment. Right. If you don't follow in line quickly, but what I'm saying is that I don't think there's pride, any like um, bad juju about it. Like I don't think he, you know, what no. I, mean? I just think that he's so focused on the way he was raised in this organized way right. that it's just that's what right. it is. Right, yeah. and he says, well, he clearly says it's wrong. Like he's he's basing this off of the way he was raised. For sure, he is. For sure, these are judgments based on his culture. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he said, he said the same thing about me. I give you permission to sit down with Huey O and explain your worries. I won't forbid you from expressing your morals. In fact, I'd encourage it. Just don't present your beliefs as our code. Present them as yours and make a good argument. And maybe the men will listen. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, amen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know. That's that's about the per- most perfect thing Kaladin could could say to him, right. really. Mm-hmm. I think for sure. You know, make your cogent argument. Mm-hmm. If you get some followers out of it, then okay, that's great. Yeah. If you don't, you know, others will will similarly offer their ideas, right. and may the best ideas win, basically. Mm-hmm. Or shouldn't phrase it quite like winning, but Sigzel nodded, hurrying to catch up to Kaladin. That does raise another issue, sir. Bridge 4 is down to 28 members, and after our losses during the Everstorm, might it be time for some recruitment? Recruitment? Kaladin said, cocking his head. Well, if we lose any more members, we won't, Kaladin said. He always thought that. Yeah. Dude, come on. Highlight right there. Yeah, and that's, come on. He always... that's not Kaladin thinking that. That's Sigzel thinking that. He always thought oh. we won't lose anything, right? Because this is Cal- right, this it's is Ka- Sigil's POV. Sigil's POV. Right. We won't, Kaladin said. He always thought that. Oh man. Okay. I, I forgot I you know briefly forgot about yeah. that. Because it would have said Kaladin always thought that. Or it would have said it's uh, yeah, you're right. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I like it I like it that Kaladin is thinking that inside. Like I'm you know, I'll I, I always think this. But you're right, it's it's Sigzel noting that he, he, he would always, always say that. that. He yeah. always thinks that. Right. <clears throat> but to be honest with you, that's still probably my it's could it's could be my highlight. Yeah, that's awesome. Um or even if we don't, we're down from the thirty five or forty of a good bridge crew. Maybe we don't need to keep that number, but a good active unit should always be watching for people to recruit. Because what if someone else in the army has been displaying the right attitude to be a windrunner? Or more pointedly, what if our men start wearing, sorry, swearing oaths and bonding their own spren? Would we dissolve Bridge 4 and let each man be their own radiant? It's a good question. It's a very good very question. Very good questions, right? What Be happens? their own radiant? Yeah, what happens if, if they're... Like, what happens if one of the men... Bond a spren that's not a windrunner. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Well, you, actually, you have that already in the squad. Renarin. What? Renarin is not a windrunner. He is his own radiant. He is not a windrunner. He's part he's of Bridge 4. Caller. He lies outside of Bridge 4 because he's one of the Colins. so his situation is a oh, little hang different. On. Do I have that wrong? Is he an Elskaller? What's his time? Uh... He's a truth watcher. 
Oh, that's it. Truth Watchers. Yeah. Sorry. I got Else Caller is what Yasna is. Yasna is. Yeah. yeah. My, but he is, sense. but he Yasna is this brain. example, right? He is a Radiant. He's a Bridge 4 member who's his own Radiant. Right. So what if Renarin, this is just a, I'm just throwing this out here as a completely like sure. just whatever made up thing. What if yep. Renarin starts to have squires of his own? As well he should as a and, radiant. And that's think, what he, right? Yeah, right. And so he's saying, would we dissolve bridge four? Like right now, bridge four is made up of men who are like, they're led by Kaladin, but they're also becoming squires of Kaladin's power, right? I think that bridge four is, I think, and it kind of, it's, um, it should be fairly obvious. I think at this point that bridge four is, um, an in-between stage of development. Mm-hmm let's say it's it's more it's you're you're more like looking at it like the like like the cocoon or the chrysalis right like a chasm fiend yeah so you're you're in this different phase of development mm-hmm. and eventually you will you know grow wings if you will right and move, move on to something else and kaladin needs to get more comfortable with that idea mm-hmm. that bridge four represents more than just the slaves that he managed to put together on the shattered plains mm-hmm. It's now a group that represents how to make good men better. Right. How to take our castaways and forgotten and give them what they require in order to become more. Right. To enlighten themselves or better themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's what bridge four really is. Right. And, and in some ways it's a, it's a process whereby you let down your bridge. You can finally you know, put you, it down. You, you, you put it down like those scars. It's Kaladin. It's almost like Kaladin belongs in Bridge Four because he's not ready to. He needs like, the bridge, right? He can't let it put. So it's almost it almost makes more sense that others would become Knights Radiant before him, right? Wouldn't that be fascinating? I mean, I mean, that would have been a what if from you know earlier, but he he's already Radiant. He's so. already spoken. Yeah, yeah, he's already done the. Uh, yeah, he does the his feelings are plain on his face here because uh sigzil is like the idea of dissolving bridge force seemed to pain kaladin almost as right. much as the idea of losing men in battle right because yeah, this is can't let it go. family like you and i were pre pre uh, pre uh, recording here we were literally just talking about found family we were just talking about the family that you choose yep. right and like this yeah. kaladin is bridge four is his family absolutely right and he doesn't want to lose any of them. Right. Because of what happened with his brother. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's all about Tien. Um, they walked in silence for a short time after these questions from Sigzil. Mm. They were going, they weren't going to bridge four barracks. After all, Kaladin had taken a turn deeper into the tower. They passed a water wagon pulled by laborers to deliver water from the wells to the officer's quarters. Normally... That job would have done by Parshman. And I also wrote down in my notes here, highlight. Right. It's great mm-hmm. that these other laborers are doing this work. I love, love that the listeners are not having, having to, right. to do, do this, this work. Right. right. Um, we should at least put out a call for recruitment, Kaladin says. Though, honestly, I can't think of how I'll <clears throat> call hopefuls down to a manageable number. I'll try to come up with some strategies, sir, Sigzel says, if I might ask. Where are we? He trailed off as he saw Lynn 
hurrying down the hallway toward them. She carried a diamond ship in her palm for light and wore colon uniform, her dark, alethi hair pulled back in a tail. She drew up when she saw Kaladin and then saluted him smartly. Just the man I was looking for. Quartermaster Vevidar sends word that your unusual request has been fulfilled, sir. Excellent, Kaladin says. She didn't know what the unusual request was, but only that it had been fulfilled. Right. She has a little exchange between Sigzil. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaladin eyed Lynn as they walked. You're the one who has been helping my men, right? Lynn, was it? Yes, sir. In fact, it seems you've been making excuses to run messages for Bridge 4. Uh, yes, sir. Not afraid of the lost radiance, then? Frankly, sir, after what I saw on the battlefield, I'd rather be on your side than bet on the opposition. Mm-hmm. Kaladin nodded. Thoughtful as he walked. Lynn, how would you like to join the Windrunners? The woman stopped in place, her jaw dropping. Sir? Sir, I'd love that. Excellent. Sig, can you get her our ledgers and accounts? Ledgers and accounts, sir? The men will also need letters written to family members. And we should probably write a history of Bridge Four. People will be curious and, a, and want a written account. And sorry, and a written account will save me from having to explain it all the time. So I began to get a little worried here when he wanted a book written about himself, like about his efforts. It just seemed a little self like, uh, yeah, self aggrandizement. Like, it's just, I don't know. It, 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 it just reeks for some reason. I don't know why it, it might have utility and it could be uh, innocent Mm -hmm. and, and it could have purpose and and it's fine and it's, it's uh, benign, but for some reason, when he was just like, I want you to do this, and then I want a book written about yeah, us, it just seemed to write a book about me, and like... it. Well, it just kind of seemed like he wanted his own tome. Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily... I don't think it's necessarily no. that, but I, uh, but I get okay. what you're feeling. Like, I, it feels like that, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Almost like you want to write your own legend. Right. Like, like you want to write your own Way of Kings. Right. You know, like you want to write your own book. Here. Right. You want to write your own um, book. In fact, and then you want to write your own book and then call it Oathbringer or something. Yeah. Right. Wonder if that's where this is going. That Bridge Four could become literally could become one of the books we read. Wouldn't that be something? That would be another like book within a book within a book thing, right? Dude. 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 <laughs> And then they and then they said dude to each other for like five minutes. Dude. And no, they one, said dude. no wonder the episodes are five minutes long or t- three hours long. <laughs> okay. The men will also need letters, uh, written account, uh, story bridge for. So yeah, it's funny. There's this coffee table book that he wants to create, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, Barnes and Noble sort of, um, you know, I don't know. It just seems a little weird. Oh, says Lynn, you want me to be a scribe? Of course. You're a woman, aren't you? Ooh. Ooh, Didn't like that. You're a woman, aren't yeah. you? You're a woman, aren't you? Is, don't you automatically want to isn't do that the all accounts ever, and the ledgers? Isn't that all you've ever wanted to do <laughs> is just be a scribe? Yeah. You're a woman, aren't you? Like, are, haven't you, don't you turn out coffee table books all the time? Isn't that... <laughs> <laughs> do you work for Fido's? Oh, Cal, it's a bad um, look, bro. Or Fido, I'm sorry. Um, I thought you were asking, I mean, in the High Prince's visions that there, there were women who were Knights Radiant, and with Brightness Shalon, she blushes. 
Sir, I didn't join the scouts because I liked sitting around and staring at ledgers. If that's what you're offering, I'll have to pass. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Me too. I love it that she denied him. She wants something more. And she's willing to, to pass up on this thing because she wants right. something else. Yeah. Proximity yes. to it, it is not important. She hasn't been Ooh. running messages for the Knights Radiant because she wants to right. be around them. She wants to do that because she wants to be part of it. Right. And not in some kind yeah. of like, just, you know, scribal way. She wants to be part of the whole oh, thing. I like, I like that with the, with the proximity. Mm. Because I think a lot of people end up doing just that. They want, in, in, in their careers, right. they'll sit on a career and they won't advance to where they would like to be. But the proximity seems enough. Right. Right? But not for Lynn. I really like this about Me her. Me too. It's really giving a, a, her a personality <clears throat> here, and I, we really like this. It really does. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and I think, other than maybe, you know, with the Parshman not having to do the labor, this, this could yet again be another little highlight for me. Mm -hmm. I think it is a highlight for me. Her shoulders fell, and she wouldn't meet Kaladin's eyes. Oh, it made me so sad when I read that. Mm -hmm. Sigzil found strangely that he wanted to punch his captain. Right. Wow. Mm -hmm. Not hard, mind you. Just a gentle yeah. wake up punch. <laughs> yeah, wake up, wake up punch, wake up. I see, says Kaladin. Well, we're going to have to, sorry, we're going to have tryouts to join the order proper. I suppose I could extend you an invitation if you'd like. Tryouts? For real positions, not just doing accounts? I'm in, she says. Speak with your, super, with, with your superior then. I haven't de uh, devised the proper test yet, and you'd need to pass it before you could be let in. Either way, you'd need clearance to change battalions. Yes, sir, she bounds off. So this is good. Yeah. So he comes around. He's like, actually, we're going to do tryouts. Comes so, around. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. That's reasonable. Mm -hmm. Sigzil, without even thinking about it, mumbled, did you, did your master teach you to be that insensitive? Kaladin eyed him. I love that. Yeah. Because it's exactly it's his perfect, words used dude, against it's him. perfect. I have a suggestion, sir, Sigzil continues. Try to understand what people want out of life and respect that rather than projecting onto them what you think they should. Shut it, Sig. Oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah, this is so awesome. good. Yeah, it's really good. Yes, sir. I'm sorry, sir. I love that he shuts him up and says, yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Even though he's making a point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh my God, it's just great. Um, they continued on their way and Kaladin cleared his throat. You don't have to be so formal with me, you know. I know, sir, but you're a light eyes now and a shard bear and well, it feels right. And again, this is another little insight into how Sigsel sees himself. Yeah. You know, like he... I think it comes up a little later too that he he likes this hierarchy or the order, order of things. Yeah, exactly. The order of things, mm -hmm. and, and he's very comfortable with it. Yeah. Sigzil had always felt awkward trying to treat Kaladin like any other bridgeman. Some of the others could do it, like Teft and Rock, Lopin in his own strange way. But Sigzil felt more comfortable when the relationship was set out and clear. Mm -hmm. Captain and his clerk. Right. Right. The roles defined. Right. No, no blurring, no overstepping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's the order that, 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 that he craves. Moash had been the closest to Kaladin, but he wasn't in bridge four any longer. Kaladin hadn't said what Moash had done, only that he had removed himself from our fellowship. Kaladin got stiff and unresponsive whenever Moash's name was mentioned. So he still hasn't told the boys what's happened. The, not the truth. No. 
Because no. then he would have to also tell them about his involvement in things. And I think there's a little bit of shame and, and embarrassment there, right? That he was, that he was almost involved in it too. Remember, I've said this to you before that yeah. I think one of the things that's being kind of left out here is that mm. Kaladin hasn't had to suffer anything from almost getting the king killed. Yes, he did save the king. He no. made the choice at the right. end, but, yep. but Elkar never would have been in that situation if Kaladin hadn't shirked his duties that whole time. Well, maybe, maybe the important thing ultimately with Kaladin is what you did do and not what you didn't. Mm -hmm. It's true. Right. It's true. Maybe so, he so, feels so like the he doesn't need to, he, he doesn't need to, uh, to say anything because he did pick the right way, but still. Well, do, do all, do, and do any of us have to then, if we make the right choice, but we were considering a different one. Right. Should we then all suffer because we almost no, made? No, no, no. This wasn't just considering one. This was no, letting no, a conspiracy <clears throat> to assassinate the king unfurl up until the very last minute, and then have a second, you know, like a a second heart, like a um, a change of heart at the very end. It's it's a little different than considering doing yeah. something and then not actually going no. through with it. You know. No, you're 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 right. I just I just bring it up in that we seem we seem to be uh very able let's say to judge ourselves and others mm -hmm. in a similar way right and i not so sure how healthy that is although i think your point is well if you're if you're elokar if you're if you're the the uh the um the people in charge how confident are you going to be right that he'll make if the you same know that choice Kaladin, again right right it's it's that kind of doubt or that ability to have almost swayed the other way that's the problem yeah i would be worried if i was dalinar i would be worried yeah you'd be worried so maybe yeah. that's why he doesn't say anything it's because he doesn't right. want them to worry so there's the, I, I see both sides of it yeah hang on captain is clerk moash okay we did that yeah. anything else on that list of yours uh, says kaladin as they passed by a guard guard patrol which gave crisp salutes mm -hmm. i always love that me too with the crisp salutes yeah, me too. i love it um sigzel continues and says accounts and the need for scribes code of morals for the men recruitment well, we're still going to need to define our place in the army now that we're no longer bodyguards oh no we're still bodyguards kaladin says we just protect anyone who needs it we have bigger problems in that storm and that storm had come again a third time more regular than the high storms right around every nine days yes yeah, very it's very uh um on schedule now so that's nice to know mm -hmm. i it's funny that it's every nine days does that have any correlation to do with the one that's in um damnation um you know what i mean the heralds you mean like the, yeah well he because he's not in it's damnation a rotation more if you were to believe that the madman is Talm. right but the madman right nine days right, right. it doesn't really seem like there is correlation it's just the speed at which this storm travel yeah travels covers the globe in nine days mm -hmm. so no just sounds like one's missing that's mm -hmm. all <laughs> okay i realize that sir sigzo says but we still have to worry about procedure here, let me ask this. Are we, the Knights Radiant, still in a Lethe military organization? No, Kaladin says. This war is bigger than Alethkar. We're not. Sorry, we're for all mankind. All right, then. What's your chain of command, then? Do we obey King Elokar? Are we still his subjects? And what dawn or non are we in society? You're a shardbearer in Dalinar's court, aren't you? 
Who pays the wages of Bridge 4? What about the other bridge crews? Is there a squabble? Sorry, if there's a squabble over Dalinar's lands in Althkar, can he call you and Bridge 4? Up to fight for him? Like a normal liege-vassal relationship? And if not, then can we still expect him to pay us? Damnation, Kaladin breathes. I'm sorry, sir. It, no, no, they're good questions, Sig. I'm, I'm lucky to have you to ask them. Sometimes I wonder if you're wasted on Bridge 4. You should have been a scholar. Hmm. Well, that wind blew past me years ago, sir. This is my highlight. I failed the exams for government training in Azir. I wasn't good enough. Then the exams were stupid, and Azir lost out, because they missed the chance to have you. Mm-hmm. And it's this next little blurb. Is that blurb. your highlight? No, it's the next little blurb, he says. The next bit? Oh yeah, yeah right. Yeah, me too. Sigzel smiled. I'm glad they did. And strangely, he felt it was true. A nameless weight he'd been carrying seemed to slide off his back. Honestly, I feel like Lynn. I don't want to be huddled over a ledger when Bridge 4 takes to the air. I want to be first into the sky. So this dream that he has <laughs> is like, yeah. oh, you're, you know, you're forgetting who you are. And mm-hmm. he's like this nameless weight, this bridge he's been carrying has slid off right. his back because he is not that man anymore. And when it right. comes time, he'll be ready. He wants to be. Remember, Cal yeah. said earlier, they'll be ready. When it comes they'll time, Sigza will be ready and he'll be the first into the sky. I love right. it, dude. I got goosebumps all over my body right now. It's awesome. Yeah, it's really great. Yeah. Um, I think you'll have to fight Lopin for that distinction. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I think he's right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, you might want to be first in the sky, but Lopin... Maybe settle for second. A, yeah, you better settle for second. Yeah. Um, that's funny. Lopin strikes me as the guy, you know, he's like, you know, episode one, Phantom Menace. He was camping out like eight months prior, you know, <laughs> like he's, he's, he's he said, serious. This is going to be the best movie of all time, guys. Best movie of all time, <laughs> which of course I can't finish that sentence. Um, I think you'll have to fight Lopin for that distinction. Come on. He strode into the quartermaster's office at the, at the counter. There was a beefy soldier with rolled up sleeves, searching through boxes and crates, muttering to himself. A stout woman, presumably his wife, was inspecting requisition forms. She nudged the man and pointed at Kaladin. Finally, the quartermaster says, I'm tired of having these here, drawing everyone's eyes and making me sweat like a spy with too many spren. He shuffled over to a pair of large black sacks in the corner. The quartermaster hefted them and glanced at the scribe, who double-checked a few forms and then nodded, presenting them for Kaladin, to stamp with his captain's seal. Once the paperwork was done, the quartermaster handed a sack to Kaladin and another to Sigzil. They clinked when moved and were surprisingly heavy. A flood of green light, powerful as sunlight, shone out over him. When they glanced inside, emeralds, the large type, not in spheres, probably cut from the gems hearts of chasm fiends hunted on the shattered plains. So they could hold so much stormlight. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Tons. Yeah. That's the Royal Emerald Reserve, the quartermaster said. Held for emergency grain, renewed with light in the storm this morning. How you talk the High Prince into letting you take it is beyond me. We're only borrowing them, Kaladin says. We'll have them back before evening arrives. Though, he warned, some will be done. We'll need to check them and check them out tomorrow again and the day after that. I could buy a princedom for that much, the quartermaster said with a grunt. What in Kellogg's name do you need them for? Sigzil, however, already had already guessed. He grinned like a fool. 
we're going to practice being radiant. Mm-hmm. So well, man. they need they, the, the whole bridge four needs to be able to practice, and they need Stormlight right. to do so, right? Yeah, it's awesome, dude. Well, now that Kaladin's back, things are getting done, yeah. right? So yeah. there's going to be development, right? For sure. Training, the training is uh, going to be in full swing. Mm-hmm. I like your highlight, of course, uh, first in the sky. Uh, Lynn, you know, Lynn standing up for herself. Um, I like it too. Lots of, lots of nice little highlights in here. Mm-hmm. There is. It's, it's, yeah, it's, pe- it's peppered. It's full. Peppered with good yeah, highlights. Yeah, it's full of it. We learn a little bit more about Azir through uh, Sigzil. We learn more about Sigzil. Mm-hmm. We strangely learn a little bit more about, uh, about Teft and what's going on with Teft. Yeah. Um, I really, I love this chapter. I, you know, my uh, unofficial highlight uh, after this one is just that we get a POV from someone that's not Kaladin about Bridge 4. Yeah. And right. I'm so excited for coming chapters because it didn't say at the beginning, part two, mm. it didn't say Sigzil. It said Bridge 4. It said Bridge 4. Right. That's so right. It sounds like we're going to get other POVs multiple from other, perspectives. Yeah. yeah other yeah. members of Bridge that's 4. That's cool. So, yeah, yeah. Super yeah. excited. That's for that. awesome. Okay, chapter 36, Ooh. Hero. This is uh, an interesting one. We get a, we get an answer to a question that we asked earlier in the book about what happened at Rathalas, what happened in the right. Rift. Right. So were you shocked to find out that Dalinar actually didn't kill the kid? Not shocked, no. Okay. Not shocked. In yeah. fact, pleasantly, I was pleasantly, I don't know, satisfied, mm-hmm. I guess, because ex- it's... Sorry, it's kind of what I, what, what I had expected, mm-hmm. but with the way it was worded, it was very indicative of something, you know, nasty happening. Well, there was, we, when we recovered that chapter, the Rathlas chapter at the very mm-hmm. end of it, um, mm-hmm. Sanderson wrote it so that we, there was several possibilities. Dalinar was saying he felt shame for something and it was right. either that he felt shame for killing the kid. Mm-hmm. We also posited that maybe he was feeling shame for um, something with Navani. Because he said something yes. like, I can't tell my brother. And That's we posited right. that maybe he felt shame because he had mentioned, Gavilar had just mentioned him having a brand new kid, which is Yasna. Right. And right. He, and then Dalinar mentioned feeling shame. So we posited maybe he could have felt shame for the way he still felt about his brother's wife. Right. When in reality, Which, the shame he felt was that he couldn't tell his brother he wasn't the monster his brother wanted him to be. Right. You know what I mean? He wasn't fully that monster and he felt right. shame for it, which is kind of crazy to be honest. I can't, I can't live up to my, my monster persona. Like, Almost. Yeah. It's weird, eh? Yeah. He couldn't, he couldn't do the deed that he, he knew was needed. Like ultimately yeah. it sounds like there's, you know, this, this surviving air is going to cause them problems. And yeah. And, um, they, he wouldn't have, if Dalinar had just killed that kid and that had, mom. Right. But, oh, that's going to be such a really interesting I'm lesson really, for Dalinar. I'm really, really about. glad that even at his most cruel, most black thorny, mm-hmm. that he didn't do that. I know. You know what I mean? Right. It shows that well, there's see, a little bit of the current Dalinar still back in that young man. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's nice. Well, I think that that's, that's just the key, isn't it? Is that it's either you have literally these completely different personalities mm-hmm. and they're diametrically opposed. Or there's a merging of the two and 
that makes a, I think a little more a little more sense. Well, yeah, I think we we are all we are all facets of ourselves at all times, mm-hmm. right? Shalon mm-hmm. is veil. Shalon is brightness. She has the capacity to do those things. She's ra- she's 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 brightness, but she's also a thief. Right. She is all those things yeah. at once. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Dalinar is compassionate, and he is a warmonger. Yeah. He has the capacity for both things. So no yeah. wonder, you know, Queen Fen is like, are you friggin' crazy? You are think you I'm going to let you into my city with an army? Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So even Teravangian's <laughs> like, who do we invade first? Why am I letting you in? Yeah. It's like, it's like showing up with the Trojan horse and announcing that you have the army inside the horse before. <laughs> Yo, here's a gift. Also, there's an army inside. Also, there's an army inside. Yeah. But just let us in anyways. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I well. So I. Yeah. I'm pleasantly uh, not pleasantly surprised. I wasn't surprised. I was pleased. Yeah. That that was so. Mm-hmm. That he did not uh, end up killing the the young one that he found. This is indeed a flashback. Twenty four years ago. Mm-hmm. Starts off with Dalinar being sorry. Dalinar cursed as the smoke billowed out of the fireplace. He shoved his weight against the lever and managed to budge it, reopening the chimney flue, and he's coughing. We are going to need to see that replaced, says Evie, who is doing some needlework. Mm-hmm. So Evie we get here, which is cool. Yeah. Is Evie a heroin addict? Oh, <laughs> different needlework. needlework. Different needlework. Sorry. <laughs> she's Sorry. She's doing some needlework. Yeah, she just, I apologize. Uh, or actually, I, I, the way I pictured it is she was actually uh, uh, doing a tattoo on somebody at the time. So she was busy. <laughs> yeah. Like one of those tappy tap ones. <laughs> <laughs> or the tap, right? The tappy taps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you mean. Um, yeah, says Dalinar, thumping down to the floor before the fire. At least you got it. Um, you got to it quickly. Today, we will not need to scrub the walls and the life will be as white as a sun at night. Evie's native idioms didn't always translate well into Alethi. Mm-hmm. So this is quirky about Evie. I'm not, I'm not yet sure if I love it. Okay. It's, it's quirky. It's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I think it's how, uh, it's how it's delivered and how it's dressed up. Right now, since I haven't read very much Evie, right. I'm at the beginning of trying to get around what she's about. Right. So it kind of stumbles a bit for me in terms of appreciating these little because because these are little uh, comedic bits right of if, course if you will of course little it's morsels. literally uh, uh, um balky bartokamus being with his right. cousin larry you <laughs> know what i mean bringing up perfect strangers i'm for reference? sure I'm, this is definitely perfect strangers nobody's gonna know that <laughs> i i know what you're talking about of course but... I, this is our shtick we literally come up with old stuff <laughs> our young listeners are gonna be like i guess we have to google what a fucking perfect stranger is what are they talking about what who are these perfect strangers yeah they're just gonna be like yeah, and, then, and then they're gonna be like teaching themselves the dance of joy and all right. kinds of stuff right you know what we we could bring up uh, a nut yet another Another reference, um, no, Rose from Golden Girls would also tell these crazy stories right. and have these idioms from uh, St. Olaf or whatever she was from <laughs> right, or something. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, but I, I, I get your point. That's right. So yeah. Evie is in that vein. It is kind of strange that she that she drops these things and Dalinar just has no idea He's what like, she's yeah, talking about. Yeah, it doesn't about. really work here. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Evie's native idioms didn't always translate well into Alethi. Um, the fire's heat was welcome, 
Instead, uh, sorry, he tried to ignore the ever-present sound of the weeping rain outside. Instead, watching a pair of flames spread, dance along one of the logs. Mm-hmm. And they seemed vaguely human with ever-shifting figures. And he followed one with his eyes as it leaped toward the other. He heard Evie rise and thought that she might be off to see the privy again. She instead settled down next to him and took his arm and then sighed in contentment. Mm-hmm. That can't be comfortable, Dalinar says. Little wince for me on this. Yeah. He's just not that into her. Mm-hmm. She, He's she's not. like super into him. She's like sighing with contentment. Yeah. And she shows amazing support. Mm-hmm. It's, it really, this, what, it, it bugs me. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll admit it. It does. The Blackthorn... I guess it's, it's the whole, I'm in love with someone else thing. Yeah. I think in this I, moment, I, he's just saying, you know, cause she's pregnant and he's like, that can't be really I know, comfortable that, that sitting that can't on the be floor here. Yeah. I know. Yeah. But she just wants to be close to him. I know, but he's looking also, he's saying it because he's also looking for any excuse not to be close. Right. I, I, I see what you're saying. There's definitely. So uh, he, so the, so the fact that she is, is, uh, is starting to show mm-hmm. is just the, just the right excuse that he can you know, tap into, if you will, to mm-hmm. n- not get that close. Well, Navani comes up here in this, ch- in this little chapter again. She does. She always does. <clears throat> that can't be comfortable. And yet you are doing it. She says, well, I'm not the one who's, and he looks at her belly, which had begun to round. Mm-hmm. Evie smiles and says, my condition does not make me so frail that I risk breaking by sitting on the floor, beloved. She pulled his arm tighter. Look at them. They play so eagerly referring to the flame sprint. Right. It's like they're sparring, Downer says. I can almost see the little blades in their hands. Must everything be fighting to you? This is interesting uh, for me because (laughs) looking at the little flame sprint dance, it's kind of like us lying on our backs looking up at the clouds. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And and seeing what you see, and Downer sees, (laughs) can't help but see the the weapons and the swords. I feel like it it could be a metaphor... for how they're going to see their children. Mm. You know, the two flamespren are Adolin and Renarin, and Evie sees them as playing together, and Dalinar sees them as sparring together. Right, Preparing for battle, learning to fight. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, he's got more of a uh, a practical, my my sons, my children will learn to fight, and she's like, I would just want them to play and get along kind of thing. I don't know. I, I know right. that I'm maybe stretching it, but I, I kind of, since no, it's two I, flame spread, I, I feel that a little bit. No, I, I, I think you're, I think that's great. I think that's a great interpretation of it, you know? Well, thank you. Um, can you, can't you just enjoy it, Dalinar? Enjoy what? Your life. You went through so much to make this kingdom. Can't you be satisfied now that you've won? He stands up, pulling his arm from her grip, and crossed the chamber to pour himself a drink. Don't think I haven't noticed the way you act, Evie says, perking up whenever the king speaks of the smallest conflict beyond our borders, having the scribes read to you of great battles, and always talking about the next duel. Mm -hmm. And not to have that much longer. Gavilar says it is foolish to endanger myself, says someone is bound to try to use one of those duels as a ploy against him. I'll have to get a champion, he says, Hmm. staring at his wine. He'd never had a high opinion of dueling. It was too fake, too sanitized, 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. And his own son becomes quite the duelist. Becomes pretty much the dueling champion of Alucard. Right. Because when he beats um, those kids in Words of Radiance, they mm. were the, like one of them was the champion. And so currently That's Dalinar, right. Adolin is the dueling champion. That's right. Right? He's literally the champion of the world. <clears throat> Um, too, too sanitized. I want to say, I want to say that I like this line here. Gavilar mm. says, it's foolish to endanger myself, says someone is bound to try to use one of those duels as a ploy against him. Right. I'll have to get a champion. He's saying this 24 years ago, but he might as well, he could be ago. saying it right now in the present. And instead right. of, you know, Gavilar says, it's foolish to endanger myself. He could be saying the storm father says it could be foolish to, uh, to endanger myself, says Odium will try to, uh, try to use one of these duels as a ploy duels against to, him. I'll right. have to find a champion. Right. I feel like it's very, it's very I know, specific <laughs> language being used, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I would completely agree. I mean, it's obviously it's, it's Kaladin. Yeah. Um, I'll have to get a champion. However, I'll have to get a champion or is it Adolin? Adolin is the champ, bro. He's, right. He's not just the champ. He's the people's champ. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's the people's champ. Yeah. He'd never had, uh, sorry, he'd never had a high opinion of dueling. It's too fake, sanitized. It's like you're dead, Evie says. <laughs> Dalinar looked over at her. It's like you only live when you, when you can fight. When you can kill. Like a, a blackness from old stories. You live only by taking lives from others. With that pale hair and light golden skin, <clears throat> she was like a glowing gemstone. She was a sweet, loving woman who deserved better than the treatment he gave her. He's acknowledging. I agree. It. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, but I he, agree. But I'm uh, I'm happy that he acknowledges it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But that's still. <laughs> so it's kind of like you 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 know that you're being a bit of a. <laughs> She's a wonderful <laughs> you know, like, woman. Why is she married to an asshole like me? Right. Right. And then you do nothing about it. Um, he forced himself to go back and sit down beside her. He forced himself. I, dude, I know. Yeah. He forced himself. He doesn't want to, he's just not that into her. Right. It's, there's a, isn't there a movie? Isn't there a rom-com featuring yes. Dalinar and Evie? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> just not, that's it. I still think the flame spren are playing, she says. I've always wondered, Dalinar says, are they made of fire themselves? It looks like they are. And yet. What of emotion, Spren? Are anger, Spren, then made of anger? And what of glory, Spren? Dalinar asks. Made of glory? What is glory? Could glory, Spren, appear around someone who is delusional, or perhaps very drunk, who only thinks they've accomplished something great, while everyone else is standing around mocking them? Mm-hmm. It's a mystery, she says, sent by Shishi. Ah, another name drop here from Evie. Well, Shishi is probably her word for one of the heralds. Right. right. We know that the words she uses, the names she uses for heralds are different than what the Alethi call them. So Shishi could be like Shalash maybe because of the sh. So. Mm-hmm. Could be. Mm-hmm. But don't you ever wonder to what end, Evie, Evie says, we will know eventually when we return to the one. No use troubling our minds now about things we cannot understand. That's a red flag for me. What do you mean? Well, this whole, her whole religion is nice in practicality. Everyone has purpose. 
mm-hmm. when experiencing the world for the one. But she's like, we will know, there's no reason, why would we even wonder about things? Why would right. we ever ask questions or wonder, about, be curious about stuff? We'll, right. uh, we're going to we're gonna eventually know all the answers when we're reunited with the one. So why bother trying to seek out any information now? We're eventually going to know it. I think that, <clears throat> I think that, um, I completely see what you're saying mm-hmm. and I, and I, and, and I do agree with it. Uh, it shouldn't stop one from asking questions and seeking answers. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there is, there is sort of a, a thing that I think maybe she's tapping into here, which is the one, um, it is usually associated with the great mystery, that mm-hmm. which can't be known. And however close you get to knowing something, there's always the, the, so basically it's the duty of the one to always take one step to the left right, or the right or whatever, always be outside of understanding. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where mortals <clears throat> no, normally find themselves is always one step. No matter how much we find out, there's always going to be another step. Mm-hmm. And that's where the one or God or these, you know, uh, metaphysical mysteries yeah, exist. I, I don't want to pick apart her faith. I, I'm not like, not trying to like find yeah. bad things about it, Yeah, yeah. but, um, like I find it fascinating ever since we find out about it with, um, with, um, the cobbler, he's the first person who tells us about this faith. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but like I, one of the things I don't like is this, this premise of like, you know, well, we, we're not going to bother helping the poor because the poor need to stay poor and homeless and starving yeah. because the one needs to experience those things. So we're just not going to bother helping anyone because it's important for the one to experience all things. Right. So it's, but, but it's ca- a convenient way of being able to kind of wash your hands of any responsibility of anything. See, I don't, I don't take her to mean that from this sentence at all. No, for sure. Not from this Um, sentence, just the wider idea of what the religion's about or their faith is about. I feel Mm. like it's, you know, depending on who is in charge, who is at the head of this, this faith could very easily, you know, steer into a bad, a bad direction. You know what I mean? Could, but that's, you know. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. I guess. Take, take your pick with any number of, of religions uh, and, and you'll, you'll find that. Right. Right. But, but I take your point to what, to what you're saying. I, I just didn't, I didn't think about it too much when she says, uh, troubling our minds now about things we can't understand. I literally think she means in her heart things that we genuinely can't right. understand. Like these mystical like, things, these, yeah. Well, just the, the well, what, what, what he just said a minute ago, like if, if glory spent or made of glory, well, what about if it's a mocking glory or what if you're just delusional? Mm-hmm. Like those are really interesting, fascinating questions right. to mm-hmm. ask. Very difficult to answer, I think, yeah, right? These so are she's the kind of questions so she's that Yasna would ask or that oh, Navani yeah. would ask, right? 100%. Right. 100%. And she would say to, to them, ah, don't go through so much yeah, trouble. We'll know, you know all the answers. Why, why, why <laughs> right. be a verus Italian? Why go back and study the past when in the future, yeah. when we reunite with the one, we're going to know all the answers to that stuff. Per, perhaps. I, yeah. I, I, I take your point. Okay. I take your point. Thank you. I'll, I won't belabor it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm just a little more, a little more generous with what she was saying. For sure. Um, Dalinar narrowed his eyes at the flame sprint. That one did have a sword, a miniature shard blade. <laughs> this is just, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. 
This is why you brood so often, husband, Evie says. It isn't healthy to have a stone curdling in your stomach, still wet with moss. I... what? So, <laughs> a stone curdling in your stomach, mm-hmm. wet with moss? What? Yeah, it, does, it doesn't translate, Evie. No. Um, <clears throat> you must not think such strange thoughts. Who put such things into your mind, anyway? He shrugged, but thought of two nights before. Staying up late and drinking wine beneath the rain canopy with Gavilar and Vani. He talked and talked about her research into Spren, and Gavilar had simply grunted while making notations and glyphs on a set of his maps. She'd spoken with such passion and excitement, and Gavilar had ignored her. Mm-hmm. So there it is. There's that moment where it sounds like the three of them stayed up chatting. Yeah. Gavilar largely ignored just the two everything, of them. and it was really right, just the, the two, two of them. them. Yeah, right. And she was speaking about her studies, and Gav and Dalinar was completely listening to everything she was saying. Right. So, so he, you're right. So in Navani, so Navani was studying and trying to learn and answer questions, mm-hmm. and he does like that. He likes that. That's why one of the reasons why he's talking now about Spren is because yes. the other night she was talking about Spren, and that right. stayed with him because right, right, because of love, At, because of love. But also, e- even in just that sentence, she'd spoken with such passion and excitement. Yeah, that's also what he feels too. Right, right. he feels passion, passion too. and excitement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. Enjoy the moment, Evie told him. Close your eyes and contemplate what the One has given you. Seek the peace of oblivion and bask in the joy of your own sensation. He closed his eyes, as she suggested, and tried to simply enjoy being here with her. Can a man actually change, Evie? Like those spren change? We're all different aspects of the One. That's interesting. Well, that's what, kind of what we were just talking about, right? We're all, yeah. We are all things all at we're once, all, right? Yeah. We have the right. capacity of being all those things. Then can you change from one aspect to another? Of course, Evie says. It's not your own doctrine about transformation. Or sorry, is not your own doctrine about transformation? About a man being soul cast from crass to glorious? I don't know if it's working. Then petition the one, she says. In prayer? Through the ardents? No, silly, yourself. In person, Dalinars asks, like at a temple. If you wish to meet the one in person, you must travel to the valley, she says. There you can speak with the one, or to his avatar and be granted the old magic, Dalinar interrupts. The Night Watcher. Evie, don't, don't say things like that. Storms, her pagan uh, heritage popped up at the strangest times. She could be talking good Voran doctrine, and then out came something like that. So, so. interesting little drop here. Yeah. The one <clears throat> is in the valley the old, where the yeah. old magic is. Right. And the, the one's avatar is the Night Watcher. Right. Interesting as fuck. Very interesting. Yeah, dude. <laughs> what I love is that Evie... I, I See, this endears me to Evie a bit more, is that she's you know, pagan amongst pagans right. sort of thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like there, there's, there's an oldness to her. Like I, I, I am, I, I know what you're saying with regards to what you're sort of like the dogma of their religion kind of thing. The dogma. Yeah. And, and, and you could be correct in mm-hmm. more revelation. Right. With the character. 
Um, I don't know that I'm hesitant to go there because I don't want that. Right. I'm, what I, what I, I, I want by is... By me saying this, I'm not insinuating any anything in the future. I'm just literally talking about what their belief system is like, what their dogma is. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But spinning it on its head now is this idea that you can actually go meet the one. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it, it kind of speaks to, it, it speaks to, uh, you know, a bit of uh, real world uh, sort of components in that you're, you can invite yourself to just connect directly mm-hmm. to the one. Right. Right. No, no in between. Yeah. It's very no. Lutheranism in that way that you can, you don't need someone to pray for you. You can do it yourself. You can have your own connection to God or, or the one. Yeah. That yeah. is really interesting. Actually. I like that. Um, <clears throat> so the old magic you could be so, but it's kind of concerns me that Dalinar inside is thinking, you know, see, there you go again. You know, you're, right. you're, you're, you're dropping us some, some perfect Voren. Voren religion, some Voren philosophy or something. And then you have to go and say a thing like that. So, yeah, so she closed her eyes and hummed softly. Mm-hmm. Finally, a knock came at the outer door to his rooms. Hathen, his room steward, would answer that. Indeed, Dalinar heard the man's voice outside. And that, and that was followed by a, a light rap on the chamber door. It's your brother, Bright Lord. Hathen said through the door. Mm-hmm. Dalinar leaped up, and Evie followed. They passed open windows and looked down upon a sodden colonnar, flickering lanterns marking where people moved through the city streets. Gavilar waited in the sitting rooms, in sorry, in the sitting room, dressed in one of those new suits with the stiff jacket and buttons up the sides of the chest. <laughs> this is funny. His dark hair curled to his shoulders and was matched by a fine beard. Dalinar hated beards. I just, <laughs> I love that, you know. Dalinar oh, hated beards. Oh, you've got a beard? Yeah, well, I, I, I hate beards because you're also with the woman I'm supposed to be with. So Right. Every, I, I, oh, oh, you, oh, you're wearing that, the, the red shirt. Yeah, I, 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 hate, I hate red, red shirts. shirts. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I'm, that's I'm, funny. I'm not into it. Yeah, yeah. he just, anything, right? Oh, Whatever. names that start yeah. with G? Guess what? Yeah. Yeah. I hate names that start with G. <laughs> Oh, you're having a coffee crisp? I hate I hate anything to do with coffee. How do you like your coffee? Definitely not fucking crisp. <laughs> not crisp. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> um, Dalinar hated beards. They got caught in your helm. So that is also fun. Yeah. Because it like seals up and there's still like a little ring of well, hair sticking out of it. I just love that, you know, his criticism of anything, it's going to relate to battle. Right. So it's impractical. Like to keep a long beard, forget that. Like I no way. You, I wonder if you did have a long beard and then you put the helm on of shard plate and it's sealed up. Do you think it would like cut the beard off? Like yes, it would like I sever do. the Yes. But hold on, would it need to cut the beard twice in order to cut it? Like a shard blade where it would need to cut the beard's soul and then the beard? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you're getting <laughs> Okay, now you're on to beard souls. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do beards I, uh, have a soul? I caught myself off guard with that one. I think, I think they do. I think My, beards do have a soul. Mine definitely has a soul. Yours, yours definitely does. Yes. Yours, yours bloody sings. Yeah. Mine, mine kind of whimpers. It's not, uh, it doesn't Oh my God, sing. that's definitely, let's throw that out to the, 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 uh, the listeners. Do you think a beard 
a helm sealing <laughs> up so, reacts the yeah, same as up. a shard blade. Will it cut the beard or will it just get caught in it? Okay. Or will it just get caught? Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> okay, let's keep Sorry. going. Looking at Gavilar in his finery, one didn't see a backwater thug. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like that's what Dalinar sees when he looks at his brother. A backwater thug. This was in a, an earlier chapter where Gavilar right. didn't want them to see that. He was like right. almost rewriting their history, right? Mm-hmm. That they were born into this in, and not right. that they took it, right? Right. A backwater thug. Mm-hmm. Uh, a barely civilized warlord who had crushed and conquered his way to the throne. No, this man was a king. Yeah, because he looked like... He, because he looked... He looked because as Yasna said, right? It's all about perception. Right. And it's probably his beard too. I'm sure the beard has something and to do the, with it. And the soul beard. <laughs> the soul beard. It's like soul blade, but like soul beard. How much soul, how much soul does beard have? Soul caliber beard. Sorry. <laughs> Gavilar, <laughs> Gavilar wrapped a set of papers against the palm of his hand. What? Dalinar asks. Rathalas, Gavilar says, shoving the papers toward Evie as she entered. Again, Dalinar said. It had been years since he'd visited the rift, that giant trench where he'd won his shard blade. They're demanding your blade back, Gavilar says. They claim that that Tanalan's heir has returned and deserves the shard as you never won it in a true contest. Dalinar felt cold. Because he knows exactly now, what Now, I know about. this... Right. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this to be patently false, Gavilar said, because when we fought at Rathalas all those years ago, you said you dealt with their heir. You did deal with the heir, did you not, Dalinar? He remembered that day. He remembered darkening that door, that doorway, and the thrill pulsing inside of him. He remembered a weeping child holding a shard blade. The father lying broken and dead behind. That soft voice pleading. The thrill had vanished in a moment. He was a child, Gavilar, Dalinar said, his voice hoarse. Damnation, Gavilar says, he, he's a descendant of the old regime. That was, that was a decade ago. He's old enough to be a threat. The whole city is going, to, is going into rebellion, the entire region. If we don't act, the whole crown lands could break off. Dalinar smiled. Interesting, his mm-hmm. reaction, don't you think? Right. Well, because another fight's the coming. The whole, another fight's coming, but also the crown lands could break off. Think about it too. Like he could, it's like the, the splintering, the, it's the chaos. Mm-hmm. It's going to produce a lot of, a lot of war. Right. A lot of fighting. The emotion shocked him and he quickly st- uh, st- stifled the grin, but surely, surely someone would need to go and rout the rebels. He turned and caught sight of Evie. She was beaming at him, though he'd have expected her to be indignant at the idea of more wars. Instead, she stepped up to him and took his arm. You spared the child? Mm-hmm. See, I love this. Uh, uh, Evie, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I like this. I, he could barely lift the blade. I gave him to his mother and told her to hide him. Oh, Dalinar, she pulled him close. He felt a swelling of pride. Ridiculous, of course. He had endangered the kingdom. How would people react if they knew the Blackthorn himself had broken before a crisis of conscience? They'd laugh. In that moment, he didn't care, so long as he could be a hero to this woman. 
Hmm. Nice. Now, eh? he is saying that about Evie? Yeah, he's saying that about Evie. Yeah, that's what I think. Like, the way that she is reacting to this news is the exact opposite of what he expected anyone to react as. They want the Blackthorn. Right. And Evie doesn't. She, no. It's the least, the least thing that she's interested in. Right. Right. So his coldness earlier by the fire and all that stuff mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is kind of being balanced or undone here in this moment where he's like, actually, this feels good to be mm -hmm. seen like this from this, this woman. Right. I like it a lot. It's really Me well too. done. I think it's great. Well, I suppose rebellion was to be expected, Gavilar says. It's been years since the formal unification. People are going to start asserting their independence. He raised his hand toward Dalinar, turning. I know what you want, brother, but you'll have to forbear. I'm not sending an army. But I can nip this thing with politics. We can't have a show of force be our only method of maintaining unity, or Elokar will spend his entire life putting out fires after I'm gone. We need people to start thinking of Alfkar as a unified kingdom, not separate regions always looking for an advantage against one another. Sounds good, Dalinar says. It wasn't going to happen, not without the sword to remind them. For once, however, he was fine not being the one to point that out. Right. Yeah, that's nice, right? It's nice. Like the, 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 the turning of the, uh, of the Blackthorn here in this moment where he realizes he doesn't have to do all the, the bad things. Right. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's my highlight for sure. Mm -hmm. That's my highlight. Yeah. This moment it's him where, feeling... he, where he feels yeah. good about doing something good. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And he's not the, and he's not the Blackthorn. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because in that moment when he saved that child, or however you want to put it, spared mm -hmm. the, the, the child. Yeah. You know, that's, that certainly wasn't the Blackthorn then. And also, he seems kind of, like, I, I almost equate it to that he seems proud that he's weakened the kingdom. Right. Like, almost like unifying the kingdom is not what he wants. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because he was smiling, but I, I don't, I don't know. There's, there's something. The smiling, I think, definitely has to do with the fact that there could be battle again. The battles, yeah. Even though he likes being, like, he likes the feeling of being a hero here, he also really likes the thrill. He also really <laughs> likes the battle. Yeah. My highlight um, is this subtle foreshadowing we get with the mention of the Night Watcher, because mm -hmm. we know that. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons why he's now having these memories of Evie was because he didn't remember for a very long time. And it was because of the boon curse from the Night Watcher. Or that the, uh, at the very least, the, this old magic that exists in, in the valley, mm. right? Um, so the fact that that's mentioned is an, a really subtle, like, it's like a sideways foreshadowing almost. Because like we, you know what I mean? Like it's a, a flashback that is foreshadowing to something that we already know happened. Happened. You know That's what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's kind of a, it's a weird. You know what? Let's, let's throw in for the consideration of highlight is also the, um, I'll need a champion. Yeah. I like that too. 
I like that too. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely, that's, it's funny. The Night Watcher is like the foreshadowing that we don't need because we already know he went and did it. The right. I need, I'll need a champion is the foreshadowing that we don't see coming almost right now. We see it coming cause we're literally dissecting the book apart, but right. But it's that whole paragraph could have been said in the present, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's neat. As well as uh, you know, even further to the to the third component with uh, with Evie is you know we know in the future that he does shake off the Blackthorn mm-hmm. for the most part, right? And this looks like it could be the beginnings of that a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's really great cool. chapter, hero. Mm. It's really good. Yeah, it's very good. I love it. Mm. Uh, before we head into the info dump, I have a uh, brand new segment called fact checking. Um, Oh, it's not really a brand new segment. I'm just saying that. Um, but, um, we, um, sometimes we get these, um, uh, obviously, uh, people reach out to the show and say, Hey, yeah. you got this wrong. And so I want to point that out when, when it comes up. So, oh, um, we were talking about Shalon and her mm-hmm. ability to take memories, literally having like an yes. eidetic memory. And we yes. talked about how more than likely it was probably something that Shalon did and had nothing to do with her light weaving powers, but that there was something that Shalon had. Shalon had an eidetic memory and she happened to be a light weaver, but it has been brought to my attention that it's actually pointed out in one of the epigraphs in Words of Radiance that light weavers do get this ability, that they do have the ability to have an eidetic memory or at the very least being able to remember scenes or faces very, very vividly. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. I wanted okay, to. So not, not just Shalon's. Uh, no, but other light say, weavers probably have something similar or, yeah. you know, you know, there are different varieties of eidetic memory. They're not always the same. Sure. Uh, but um, yeah. So um, it's really, really interesting that um, it is actually kind of part of the power structure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's cool. Okay. Great. Um, so yeah, let's get to the info dump. Uh, thank you very much to Buzzkill Joe for always doing all the hard work on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does the work. I get the glory spren. Um, <laughs> um, Lopin calls Sigzil a couple of times hooch. Hooch. Yeah. And won't explain it. Yeah, we're not sure what it means. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's some kind of nickname. Hopefully, it's not a derogatory one. Um, well, but, uh, maybe so. eventually we'll find out if we ever get like a, um, a Lopin POV or learn more about the Herdazian culture through, you know, Puyo or any of these other Herdazians that have joined mm-hmm, Bridge mm-hmm. four. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's something to keep, uh, keep track of that the, <laughs> for some reason Lopin has the, a different name for, yeah, instead of he calls, um, Kaladin Goncho and some of the other guys Goncho, but for Sigzil, he calls him Hooch. So yeah, it's very, a little, little hmm. weird. Um, Dre, his boyfriend is Drew. He uh, works mm-hmm. in the district quartermaster's office, which is cool. Uh, the colon quartermaster is, um, uh, known as Vevidar. It's another name mm-hmm. that we get. Vevidar. Yeah. Um, we get this thing here we talked about before. We, we, you know, we already covered it, but, um, the Hardazian has fingernails that were slate colored, but in my version, it says dark brown, right. both hard as crystal. So it's a, mm-hmm. it's kind of a little thing here, like an edited version. Like, you know, maybe I have one of the earlier copies of, uh, I mean, I would have bought br- it when it yeah. first came out. Right. So, right. so From before brown he got to, to revise it. Yeah. So that's uh, pretty cool. <laughs> 
Um, Mishim is the name of the third moon. This is the most right, clever the and wily of the moon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sigzel tries to tell a story. This is literally like one of my favorite, favorite things. When he tries, to, he tell tries to tell story. that story and really fucking butcher, butchers it. Yeah. Like so funny. You're no Hoyd. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, what else do we have here? Um, a little stuff from Azir. They, um, um, the, uh, Sigzil says, um, that the <laughs> bridge four wouldn't last a day in Azir, um, that, um, right. Queuing in an orderly <laughs> fashion is practically a mark of national pride, mark. which is really, really yeah. funny. Um, obviously this has to, you know, like this is in keeping with what we know about them with forms and, and order and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. in the other chapter, uh, in the 36 hero, um, Dalinar's short master servant is named Hathen. Um, Shishi, um, is one of the names that, um, Evie invokes probably right. like we said, probably a name of a herald, um, yeah. Shishi, Shalash, maybe it's Shalash. Um, we're not really sure. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, we'd have to actually probably look at all the herald's names and then kind of figure out which one that we would probably most likely set set with. Um, yeah. And then, uh, we obviously have this moment here where, um, Evie says that if you want to go meet the one and beseech the one, you just go to the Valley and that the one's avatar is there as well. Right. And then, and then he's like the night watcher. So this is kind of a weird revelation. This Mm -hmm. mystical creature that we have, heard about we're not even really sure what the night watcher is or what is happening in the valley but um her people he's supposed to go alone right i think so yeah yeah Uh, so our reports so i think we're gonna get this you think we're gonna get it yeah yes let's let's hope we do right um yeah so that's the end of the info dump uh thank you again Mm. to buzzkill joe for doing all the hard work we really appreciate it dude um he messaged me the other day and he's like um uh i think it's chapter 38 the one the next chapter we're doing he's like oh my god the info dump is so big so really (laughs) yeah yeah that's exciting but it's in the uh, the next uh, i'm a little ahead of myself here but yeah next episode is just the one chapter so We'll have plenty of time to talk about the info dump. Wait, wait a second. He said 38 because next chapter is 37 for us. Oh, 37. I meant, I meant 37. Okay. Yeah. He, yeah, uh, okay. yeah. I meant 37, but uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, end of the episode. Um, we'd love to say uh, hi to patrons here. Um, I am going to read the uh, massive list that keeps building. Uh, um, uh, if you want to be part of the Patreon team, go to patreon.com slash heroes of, you can join on uh, the discord server. Um, you can, if you uh, pick one of the, um, second, like the second tier, you can get a, uh, little care package sent to you by craft master Mike with some little goodies in it. Um, there's all kinds of different stuff to take a look at on there. So go to patreon.com slash heroes of, and you can have your name read just like Kim or Serena Rasmussen, Stunshine, Renegade, Stephanie C, Shannon Stouffer, Greg Bain. Bain, I was born <laughs> in the darkness. Um, Samuel Giddens, <laughs> Vanessa and Juan, Dusty, Iono, Scrub Kai, Uncle Hypocrite, Jacob, Unmentioned, Doggone Mad, Daniel Bergman, Cameron White, Craig, Chloe Davies, Mer- Harry Merrill, Nate Irish, Caleb Lay, Sister of the Rain, Holden Norfleet, Joel Carnes, Alex Black, Wenneros, Athernal, Barbara Trigolette, Cohen Turley, Cat Tux, Hendrick Limbach, 
Eflet77, Will Streckfus, Robin Todd, Jamie Piga, Kaushta Varshney, Thrall, Ian Henry, Zane Jeffries, Asta, Waterman, Daniel Altridge, J.S., Joe S., I wonder if they're related, Jacqueline De La Roca, <laughs> John Kurth, Kunal Chaudhry, Automatic Bear, Ryan Shea, Amigo Cat, Scorpio245, Sandra G., Stephen Coolia, Shaniti, James Wallace, Michael Coling, Grant Hoffmeister, Yezrian, Chloe Lewis, Kyle Wilson, Tony Hernandez, Jesus Rocho, Sarah Marshall, Milan Radnovich, Genevieve Blanc, Zachary Lindo, Brian Taylor, Jesse Fay, Cannoli, Jaden Guerra, Ryan Phillips, Sarah Slagle, C. Carr, Tom Gonzalez, Mark Pinto, Maria Verum, Lawrence Bradley, Cody Logan, Jonathan Whittington, Tommy Turpin, Itzazer, Julia Pebble, Justin Elliott, Laura, Chris Wally, Omni Orcus, Alec Guerin, James Johnson, Andrew Woods, James M., Valk of Marin, Chelsea Walker, James Pryor, Chad Kirkman, Megan Lloyd, Christ, uh, Richard, uh, Richard Featherson, Ilya Serden, Daniel Lee, Denver Rose, David Clamage, Andrew S., Jason Stock, Ashlyn Lee, Anna P., Pat Bevins, Thomas Kovar, Matthew Eaton, Cosette, James Reed, Steph Baum, Alex Trant, Joey Willman, Ratman, P. Flume, Brandon Comer, Jasper, Silver Lumos, Joshua, Nasala, Ryan, Josh, Alexander, Janzi, Wick, Joseph Mingoya, Daniel Wyden, Werewolf Will, John M., Jake DeFeo, Robert Goebel, My Mom Sue, Ari Zoo, Bruce Rogers, Joel Hayes, Don Chalice, Mr. Morisami, Christian Pappy, no, 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 Jack's wife, Linda, and our best friend, Mike. Thank you very much for everyone who is part of the uh, Patreon team. We really appreciate your support and um, we, uh, we love you. Um, if you are <laughs> we, wanting we to, do. yeah, we do. If you want we to reach do. out to the show, you can do so at heroes of a at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at heroes of one. You can reach out on the, uh, storm pod, Instagram, the storm pod, and don't forget to join the subreddit, the storm pod and the Facebook page. Um, yeah. So that's the end of the show, everybody. Uh, next cha- next episode, chapter 37, chapter 37, yeah, just one chapter. <laughs> so we'll have lots to talk about. I'm sure. Um, anyways, thank you very much for listening. We love you very much. Until next time. Take care, everybody. The Storm Pod is brought to you by Heroes of. Music and theme song by Jack Forrest Productions. Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by our wonderful Patreon team and the Heroes of Akathra.